Hello, everyone, and a warm welcome to Ben Squared, an Invesco podcast which aims to update you on the major market stories in just 10 minutes. Uh, I'm Ben Gutteridge, a me enthusiast from Invesco's multi-asset strategies department, and my co-host is Ben Jones, a team enthusiast and director of macro research, also sitting within Invesco's multi-asset strategies division. In today's episode, we'll begin with a brief review of the first half before offering an update on UK interest rates after those explosive inflationary prints a week or so ago then conclude with some comments on the evolving state of China's stimulus. However, before we discuss any of these topics, please note this recording is intended for UK professional investors only, shouldn't be considered as investment advice, and that any capital invested is always capital at risk. Finally, do hang on after the conversation is concluded to hear some additional important disclaimers. Okay, Ben, great to get some time with you as always. And to kick off, I applaud your suggestion to put our H2 Outlook segment back a fortnight to save us some valuable minutes today. Also gives us a bit more time to see how markets are doing before we share that uh, insightful second half outlook. A really smart move, Ben, like that. Uh, Anyway, how are you doing? Are you well? Very well, Ben. How are you? But but thank you, first of all, for that amazing compliment. I like being called smart. (laughs) Don't always feel it, but thank you. Well, it's, uh, I'm sure it's not rare, Ben. Come on. Um, OK, let's flip straight to uh, H1. Markets have uh, offered some much needed relief, I think, after a torrid year in 2022. Could be considered a bit of a surprise, I think, given like central banks have continued to take interest rates higher. Uh, we had uh, something of a, of a near banking collapse in the spring. And of course, uh, the European war still ongoing. You know, what do you think is behind this, the market's resilience this year, Ben? Yeah, good question, Ben. I mean, I think you're right. It's been a surprise to um, to many. And certainly if you read the um, sort of 2023 outlooks from the sell side at the beginning part of this year, uh, the majority or certainly consensus was calling for a weak first half and then a better second half. And with um, the strong performance in, in risk assets and particularly global equities we've seen, you could say it's been a bit of a surprise. But given that sort of consensual positioning, maybe it shouldn't have been um, such a surprise. Um, the other surprise, though, that we've seen that, I mean, you mentioned some of the negatives there in the um, in the surprises, but the other positive surprise that's come through has been that growth has remained pretty resilient, actually. Um, the U.S. consumer, for the most part, has held up um, pretty strongly. They've continued to run down that excess savings that they built up during the, um, the COVID period. Um, yes, there's been some pockets of weakness in, in corporate earnings, particularly in, in the U.S., actually less so in Europe and, um, and Japan. But the growth has kind of been okay. Um, and then more recently, or Maybe it's not that more recently, but you've got the um, the AI um, uh, boom that's sort of coming through, and that's given this sort of another leg to this optimism that either we get a productivity boom or you get um, some parts of the market that really um, benefit from the development and rollout of AGI. So, um, I mean, I love that you I love that you sort of picked up on that, uh, Ben, because I know lots of people are sort of talking about that, and I know it's only very recent. But uh, I've noted in June, you know, that actually sort of the equally weighted S&P has actually been pretty, pretty strong. So sort of up until like a month ago, I think it was like, oh, it's all about AI. But actually, maybe it's not just about AI anymore. Maybe it's it's broadening out. Um, Is there any additional explanation behind that, uh, that that part of the market doing doing uh, or recovering a bit better? Yeah, no, excellent point. But as you say, I mean, the beginning part of this year um, has all been about that sort of concentration in return. Certainly in the US as well. Actually, there's been less concentration in places like um, Europe. It's been more broad based. Um, but yeah, in June, um, you have seen certainly an improvement in performance um, across a broader spectrum of uh, of the equity market. Um, and I think, again, that sort of just points to the, the backdrop that, you know, actually, it's not just about 
this AI boom, the general growth backdrop has been a little bit better. You've seen broader upgrades coming through from, from analysts. Um, and I think that's just on the idea that, you know, the consumer keeps spending. We've got this um, manufacturing spend coming through as um, supply chains get readjusted. Certainly in the US, the, the manufacturing um, spend or the spend on building up factories has really um, increased as well. And it will be some of those um, smaller and broader and sort of old economy companies that will be um, benefiting potentially um, from that um, that area. So, yeah, look, I mean, there's, there's potentially certainly room for that um, broader-based recovery um, to continue, particularly if, um, as we've had in the last sort of month or two, um, some of those downward um, inflation surprises then start to, to kick in um, a little bit more as well. Certainly some people are calling for inflation to come down quite quickly um, in the second half. Perhaps we leave that to talk about in, in two weeks' time as to whether that will actually um, happen um, or not. But, but no, there's, there's certainly a little bit more degree of optimism there. And the final thing that I would say is the other reason for perhaps thinking that um, there is room for this rally to continue. Is generally speaking, this has been a pretty sort of unloved rally. We've all been worried about when the recession is coming. Positions being pretty light, and when positioning is pretty light, and the consensus is kind of all in one direction, there's certainly a lot of room for um, things to move in the other direction. Okay, Ben. Yeah, very neat summary. Appreciate that. But let's uh, turn our attention now to. UK inflation and rates. I'm sure no one from our audience would have missed that uh, really sort of unhelpful surprise to the upside on inflation uh, a week or so ago. The Bank of England responding with 50 bips uh, of hikes rather than the 25 expected. We've had a few weeks now, or I say like seven to 10 days or something, to digest that news, Ben. Uh, what's your, before we discuss policy, what, what's your take on? Uh, how the inflation number has gotten so high, and what are you thinking about the inflation path moving forward? Um, so I think inflation is going to be on a downward path in the UK. Um, unfortunately, it's kind of a bit like um, the uh, the way we're looking at the whole world at the moment. It's kind of it's out of sync with the rest of the, the world. So um, where in the US inflation is falling um, a lot more quickly, in the UK it's falling more slowly and sort of peaked more uh, more recently. So um, we're still, we're coming down, but we're coming down more slowly. And part of that is to do with um, food price inflation that's running at sort of over 18% um, at the moment. Um, depending on, again, how you measure inflation, are you using CPI or RPI, uh, for example? You've got a big, big gap between um, those two measures. And, and even alternative measures outside of the official data, there's a, uh, an alternative data provider called Trueflation. I picked this up on Twitter yesterday, and they, they're still saying that UK inflation is running at 11% um, at the moment. Um, you've got wages in the UK running very hot um, as well. We've got obviously a very tight labour market um, here um, at the moment, and that's contributing to higher levels of inflation. So, look, I think inflation is, is quite sticky. It's on the right path but it's going to be a very slow, bumpy path um, lower, uh, unfortunately. And that obviously puts the Bank of England in a very, very difficult position. And it's why you saw that more hawkish uh, message um, come out uh, a week or so um, ago. Now, the one point... Well, wasn't it, wasn't it hawkish? I mean, yeah, quite emphatic. Yeah. Caught a lot of people uh, off, off guard. I mean, what is... Do you think that... Do you think there's like a, a, a quicker up to then be able to, to, to get to come down faster the other side? Or do you think there's sort of a higher for longer regime? What, what is your expectation for policy? And of course, what does that uh, how does that feed into your view on the gilt market? 
yeah, I mean, big big debate for us in the uh, in, in the team at the moment. Uh, and actually, I mean, more broadly, globally, the big debate for us at the moment as well is how effective is monetary policy. And again, in the US, where you've got fixed rate um, mortgages for, for 30 years and where companies have turned out their their um, their debt profile, um, monetary policy is, is less effective. Now, in the UK, it's a bit more um, effective because the mortgages that we tend to have in the UK um, tend to be uh, of a shorter um, fixed sort of between that sort of two to five years on average. Um, but if you look at the mortgage market, actually, um, there are less than 30% of households today have a mortgage that's down from about 40% in the 1990s. So actually, the transition mechanism of monetary policy to um, consumers is not quite as quick as perhaps it has been um, in the past. Um, that said, um, it is more quick than, than other um, places. I do think it will start to, to buy it. And if you look at the aggregate uh, sort of um, spending that we will see, you're going to get a bit of a boost in the coming months because utility bills fell over the, the last weekend with the price cap coming down. But as those fixed rate mortgages roll off or have to be reset, you're going to get an offset as disposable income is then sort of pushed into to mortgage spending. And that more than offsets the gain that you see on the um, on the utility bills, unfortunately, that's going to be sort of quite concentrated in that sort of thirty percent of households. So it's going to be uneven, um, unfortunately, um, for the UK. But it does mean that yeah, I think spending is going to come down, and I do think we are going to need a significant slowdown and a, a probably a recession to get inflation back to the Bank of England's target. So what does that mean for gilts, as you asked? Well, I think it depends kind of on your time frame and sort of where you are on the curve. Now. I'm a bit nervous about holding um, uh, gilts in the very short term, but I think over a longer term perspective, I think they are actually a pretty good buy. I mean, if you look at 30-year rates, for example, they're about 4.4% at the moment. They've rarely um, got above 5% in the last um, 35 years um, or so. So unless you think we're in for a period where you've got very, very sticky inflation for a very, very long period of time, then it's a pretty um, decent bet that those um, rates will start to, to come lower at some point in the next sort of, and certainly in the next year or two, and certainly um, longer than, uh, than that as well. So I think holding longer term UK rates, it sort of starts to, to make sense here. Um, but I think just be careful in, in the short term. So if you can um, weather a little bit of volatility, yeah, gilts are starting to look like a, a pretty decent uh, buy at the moment. And I think the Bank of England is going to have to do an about turn um, at some point. Um, not necessarily relatively soon, but certainly in the next sort of um, 12 months, I would say. OK, well, great to get your thoughts on that uh, topic that is a dominating uh, fin- not only your investment team, but also dinner parties around around the country. Um, we'll close out on China. Uh, there is there had been much euphoria, hadn't there, about um, the, the reopening post zero COVID, the removal of the, the zero COVID policy does appear as though that recovery is falling short of expectations. Of course, that is disappointing, but maybe that uh, triggers a more emphatic response in terms of stimulus that you think the markets uh, might enjoy. Can you see that sort of narrative unfolding or is there room for disappointment in there as well? Yeah, look, and another topic that's certainly um, uh, hot on the dinner party circuit, which perhaps tells you the type of dinner parties that uh, I attend <laughs> at the moment. But uh, yeah, look, um, China's disappointed um, over the beginning part of this year. There is a consumption recovery um, still coming through in China. There's sort of service recovery coming through, but it has been pretty anemic and it has been pretty disappointing. Um, but it's really the export and the property sectors that are dragging uh, most on growth. Um, now, obviously, that sort of raised this prospect of 
policy coming through and stimulus coming through. My, in my mind, it's going to be a lot more moderated, uh, a moderate rather, and a lot more targeted in nature. So it's going to focus on sort of the interest, uh, autos industry, or there'll be some focus on selective infrastructure. Um, but you're not going to kind of see the same sort of um, pumping up of the property sector that we've seen in previous China downturns that can very quickly lead into a, um, a GDP um, recovery. And I think because that policy is going to be uh, moderate and targeted, the um, response that you're then going to see from equity markets is going to be a little bit more moderate um, as well. Um, and again, perhaps you want to be a little bit more um, selective in the way that you get your exposure um, to um, Chinese um, equities. So I think the, the equity response, probably the commodity response, is going to be a little bit more um, underwhelming. Um, the way that we've liked to play China is through a weaker currency. Um, and obviously that's played out very nicely over the course of, of this year. Um, there has been some comments in recent days from the PBOC where they've set their um, daily fixing at a slightly stronger than expected um, level. And that might start to slow down that depreciation um, a little bit. But the general backdrop for, for China and sort of the, the lack of sort of shock and awe when it comes to, to policy means that we're not ready to get bullish on the, uh, on the currency um, yet. And as I say, be a little bit more um, selective in the way that you play um, the exposure to, to China more generally. And that's kind of the way that we see the world at the moment is that um, as you go back to the beginning, you said, well, you were surprised uh, the, the sort of equity performance has been so good given the, some of the surprises that we've seen is that's true, but we're in a very asynchronous world. There are opportunities within equity markets, within currency um, space, within the rates market even as well. And for us, it's more about that playing within those markets as opposed to sort of um, betting the farm on the, the beta exposure, if you will. Okay, well, thanks, Ben. Very smoothly done, as always. No doubt topics we will return to. Certainly keen to talk to you about uh, China a little bit more length in, uh, in future recordings. But uh, certainly next week, uh, part of the focus will be on our second half outlook. But uh, thanks again for your time, Ben. Our biggest thanks, of course, to our listeners. Really appreciate your interest and support and look forward to speaking to you again next time. Before you go, however, please do listen to the following investment risks and uh, information. The value of investments and any income will fluctuate. This may partly be the result of exchange rate fluctuations and investors may not get back the full amount invested. This podcast is intended for UK professional clients only and is not for consumer use. Views and opinions are based on current market conditions and are subject to change. This is marketing material and not financial advice. It is not intended as a recommendation to buy or sell any particular asset class, security or strategy. Regulatory requirements that require impartiality of investment or investment strategy recommendations are therefore not applicable, nor are any prohibitions to trade before publication. Issued by Invesco Asset Management Limited, authorised authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.